I'll be your guest preacher today. <laughs> We're sad that Sean couldn't make it. He is, in fact, a very fine preacher. And I encourage you, we did post one of his sermons on our website. If you go to the media page, uh, there's a current series section. You can see it says blog. You can go to that and you can find out all about Sean. And you'll, you'll be delighted. He's incredibly good. Um, the scripture passage that we heard this morning uh, was the one Sean was going to use. I didn't see any reason to change it because it, uh, it complements what we're going to preach on or what we're going to hear about today from Luke 21. And if you're going to follow along, you can find Luke 21 right now. As you do that, I want you to imagine to yourself uh, a picture. A picture of a room just like this, perhaps. Um, it's happened many times in here before, where you have a groom standing on the stage, pastor standing up here as well, uh, and you have a whole wedding party here, and then you have, all of a sudden the doors open up, and people stand up, and the bride is escorted down to a smiling groom, and a smiling bride, and smiling parents, and everybody's smiling at that moment. Can you imagine the picture in your mind? Can you sense the joy of the moment. Imagine another picture, if you would. Uh, you can encounter this at various stages of life now. We've, I've experienced now three preschool graduations. It's fun to watch them in their little caps and gowns, try and figure out what it is they're supposed to do on a stage. You can see it happen when they get to high school and they've got a cap and gown, uh, college, graduate school, and they walk across the stage shaking the hand, getting the diploma, flipping the tassel. Can you picture it in your mind? Can you sense joy in a moment like that? Imagine in your mind, if you would, waiting months and months and months, and what seems like even more months than you should wait, for the arrival of a child, the birth of a baby, going with the play-by-play, -play, perhaps, either you're experiencing it or you hear about it, of the kicks and the movements, and then all of a sudden the labor starts and the baby is born. And what is there? Great joy. I know I simplified the process for you. There's great joy. Can you feel it? Can you kind of sense that joy in your mind? Imagine, if you will, you get the word that it's cancer. But imagine the day that you've gone through the treatment and there's no more radiation, no more chemo. It's gone. Can you sense that joy of a day like that? Or perhaps a family on gotcha day when they're picking up their child at an airport to join a family. Or adoption day where they get to sign the papers and stand there with the judge and take a picture. Can you feel the joy? You know, we, we can picture those scenes in our mind. Perhaps we've even experienced some of those moments. And we recognize, we can imagine, if we can picture the scene, we can imagine the joy. We can even feel it a little bit. Right now, you probably are feeling in some of those moments the joy of when you experience something like that in your own life. Or somebody you know experienced that it's not a day-to-day -day event, but we, don't, we know in those moments that something good is going on. 
We, we really feel it from the inside out at those milestones and moments which are not everyday events. And, and those are joyful moments. And we can have them at regular intervals in our life. And the thing is, nobody has to coach you on how to experience joy. A few weeks ago, just a couple weeks ago, I was invited to that really cold Nebraska Cornhuskers game against Michigan State. My friend called me in the middle of the week. I know some of you were there. You experienced the same thing. My friend called me on like a Wednesday or a Tuesday uh, and said, you want to go to the game? I think it's going to be cold. And uh, so we went and it was really cold, right? Starts at 30 degrees and 20 mile an hour wind plus. And the balloons had a hard time even that day. Like they were just stuck, you know, in a swirl above the stadium. Like, I'm not sure I want to get out of this place. It's even colder outside. And it kept going down in temperature uh, through the whole game. You find out about halfway through the game, actually even in the first quarter, where you're equipped well and where you're not, right? Where you're, you didn't dress quite warm enough on uh, your toes, your gloves, or whatever it is. And it's funny to get an invitation to something like that because... Uh, functionally, you know, my friend calling me and saying, hey, you want to go to the game? It's going to be cold, is kind of the equivalent of somebody calling you up right now and saying, hey, there's going to be a game today. Would you like to come over to my house? We're going to watch it from the freezer. Uh, it's the kind of the same invitation, right? But you know there's more that goes into it. There's the experience of the game. And that makes all the difference. And when you're in the game, the last half of the game, nobody sat. The last quarter, certainly nobody sat because it was a great game. It was an incredible game to watch. It was very cold. It was awfully cold. The snow was falling by the end. Nobody cared because it was such a good game. There is not a single moment in that game when anybody in those, that stadium needed to be coached, right now you should cheer. Right? We know how to respond to events of that magnitude. We should know. We know how to respond to joy. It doesn't require any coaching whatsoever. And it can happen even in difficult moments like that. Even in moments which seem a little bit unbearable, joy can be there. And I want to tell you about true joy this morning. That true joy, I believe, springs from experiencing the promises and presence of God in your life. We can experience these spurts of joy in our life, but if we want that consistent joy, true joy, it comes from God. From recognizing what God is doing in our lives and is going to do, and from seeking the presence of God and being in his presence. There we experience true joy in whatever life has to send our way. And I think in Luke 21, the passage for this week, it doesn't use the word joy, but there is a description of joy in the midst of this. And I think it's instructive for what this looks like. So let's skip to the passage here. Luke 21, we're going to start at verse 25. And in this passage, Jesus has been asked, what, what is the kingdom going to look like when it comes? What are the signs of the end going to be like? And you say, this doesn't sound very promising, Pastor Evan, for a sermon on joy. Bear with me. Jesus says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. You get here a sketch of the return of Jesus. Now, by this point 
in the storyline. Jesus hasn't even gone to the cross and been resurrected. He's talking way ahead of what they actually know to, to expect and experience already. But he's giving them an impression of what is to come. The coming of the kingdom of God in all of its fullness. And it's going to start with the return of the Son of Man coming down in victory. The king arrives victorious. As you hear that, can you feel some joy? Can you sense some joy of the returning king? He says, redemption, your redemption is at hand at this point. If you know the Son of Man, that's what's going to happen. What does that mean? Sin, evil, pain, suffering, gone. Finally, the kingdom comes. Those things are history. Can you feel the joy in that? Can you sense it? Are you with me this morning? If you can picture it, I think you can start to feel it. I think you can start to know that joy if you can even picture and, and get excited about the triumphant return of the king who's going to be triumphant over sin, over injustice, evil, hate, and all the promises or problems of this life. Are you with me in some joy this morning? Jesus then illustrates his point by giving this parable the fig tree. Go to verse 29. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Focusing your attention on the fig tree for a moment. The fig tree uh, in the Middle East of Jesus' day, and even now, to my understanding, there's a variety of fig trees that can produce fruit at a variety of times of the year, depending on which fig tree you're talking about. But in general, the fig tree can be a symbol of prosperity, that is of a cause for joy, as it turns out, or it can be a symbol of calamity, of sorrow, or lament, depending on how things have gone. Uh, in the cultivation or lack thereof of that plant. For prosperity, it turns out that for a fig tree to produce a good yield, it takes years of hard work and cultivation to get that plant to that point. That's my understanding of how these worked. Uh, a good yield fig tree takes a lot of hard labor. Years and years and years of caring for that tree. The more cared for, the better the chance of yield. And as Jesus is pointing out, you can see the signs that you're going to have fruit, that you're coming out of belt-tightening winter season when you'll have your yield because you can see the leaves starting to appear on the tree. We know this in trees in general. He's specifically talking about the fig tree here, as well as all the trees he points out. It could be a sign of calamity, too, uh, for either from somebody's choice of not cultivating that tree and taking care of it, or that choice is taken away, that war has happened, or drought, or whatever, that they were unable to take care of the tree appropriately, whatever circumstance it is, uh, the, the returns will be diminishing over time for that tree. And perhaps even eventually that tree will not show the signs that it's going to come back eventually. Jesus gives us words that are actually instructions of how to be joyful here, I think, in all seasons. And I think part of the issue that he's getting at is the issue of cultivation in our own lives. How are we cultivating joy? What are we doing to cultivate joy within our lives? That true joy that springs from the promises and presence of God. 
See, if you see the return of the Son of Man, of Jesus, as a good thing, then this is going to be a cause of, of great joy and something that needs to be built and cultivated in you to make it even a greater day when it comes. That you're going to live with expectation and anticipation. And so finally, when that day comes, you're going to be prepared. If, however, uh, you see that this life is what matters the most, what's happening today, and, and ultimately you're not concerned with what God is going to do in the future, you buy into the belief that today is the best or tomorrow or this life is the best that all that is to offer, you're cultivating something completely different. Incidentally, that's greed, as it turns out. You're stealing time from God. You're stealing joy, in fact, from the source to try and get your own enjoyment now. And to some degree, we all do that. I do it, you do it. To some degree, we all try and steal that joy a little bit for today. Not quite believing the promises that God has. The question is, to what degree do we do that? And how can we cultivate a life that's looking for that great joy to come? True joy. And begin living that out now. That's really the question here. I think verse 28 is the, the line that gives us some, uh, something of a definition of what joy would look like. Jesus says, when these things begin to take place. So there's bad stuff happening but also the return of the Son of Man. There's difficulty, but also the victorious King. He says, when these things begin to take place, what should you do? Stand up and lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. You see, life may be tough some days, and even in some lives it may seem unbearable for a short season or a long season, or a really long season. It may seem like a really long walk until that great true joy is finally realized with the triumphant king. But we need to cultivate a life that will be able to stand up and lift your head up throughout what's going on, looking to the, great, the return of the great king and living as if he's going to come back. Finding our joy there no matter what circumstances life throws our way. We need to cultivate that kind of joy within our lives. How do you then cultivate that kind of joy? I would suggest this morning, if we're going to talk about how-to at this point, it's as simple as input and output. What are you putting in? Because that's probably what you're going to get out. One of the great toys through the ages, or the last few decades, has been the Play-Doh Fun Factory. It's a cool toy. You can, change, you can make whatever shape, the star shape, the circle shape, the spaghetti shape, right? All the cool shapes you can make out of that thing. But when you put the Play-Doh in and you extrude it out, what you get on the other end is not something different than Play-Doh, right? It's just differently shaped Play-Doh. What you put in is just a slightly different uh, shape than what you get out, but it's the same material. Same thing happens in our lives. Right? Our lives are just a giant Play-Doh fun factory, I guess I'm saying. What you put in is what you're going to get out. If you're not putting in and, and drawing on our source of joy, you're not going to be a joyful person. I was given this book recently and uh, just discovered it this week sitting on my desk, and it's pretty good. Uh, 40 Days to a Joy-Filled Life. I was at a pastor's prayer gathering here in Lincoln. This was a gift that was given to all of us. 
Uh, very interesting, but I, I thought there were two things that were very relevant for us today from this by uh, Tommy Newberry is the guy's name. He asked this question. We're talking about input and output is what we're talking about. He says, is it possible to be joy-filled without thinking thoughts of joy? Is it possible to worry without thinking worrisome thoughts? Can you be afraid without thinking fearful thoughts? Can you remember a time when you were thinking of hope and happiness but felt depressed at the same time? Can you imagine acting loving while thinking bitter thoughts of anger, resentment? The simple answer is no. Right? Is it possible to, to be joy-filled without thinking thoughts of joy is how he starts that. And so it begs the question as we think about being joy-filled, experiencing true joy, and looking forward to the day when that joy is fulfilled in the return of Jesus Christ and the coming of his kingdom fully and completely. What are you filling yourself with? What are you putting in? What are you thinking about most of the time? What cultivation are you doing in your life with attitudes, actions, reactions, hopes, and expectations? The, the, what we cultivate is what we're going to put out is what we're going to produce. And interestingly, there were two recommendations I thought that were very good. One of them is a string of questions uh, that will come up on the screen here. Uh, Mr. Uh, Newberry asks uh, uh, several questions about starting your day. He says, what, if, uh, what could I read, watch, listen to during the 15 minutes I'm awake? He talks about setting yourself up right each day. So that what you're filling yourself up with, that's going to set the tone for your day. And if you're doing that every day, that's going to set the tone for your life. So what, is it, what patterns do you need to set up as disciplines every day? From the very start. And even if you're not a morning person, you can still do this. From the very start. What should I be seeing or listening or hearing in the morning? Right away. Also, consequently, what should I avoid at that time? And how even could I prepare myself the night before so I'm set up and I remember, hey, I need to be, do something that'll, that'll actually inspire and spark joy in my life rather than pessimism or something else. Next slide, he asks a few more questions. He says, uh, what could I tell myself the instant I'm awake? Maybe this is a post-it note moment or something written on your mirror. What should I avoid telling myself in the morning? Right? These are good questions, I think. How do I set myself up to be looking for that true joy and putting that in my life? And third slide. He finally asks, how could I intensify my gratitude? This is a good idea. Just have the list. Write down the things you're grateful for from the start of the day. And how could I use prayer and scripture from the beginning of my day? All of this was with an edge towards joy. I think they're good questions that he brings to our attention. And I think one other thing that, that I was really inspired by that I want to uh, mention to you is he says, now, if you're a worrier, if you're a complainer, if you're pessimistic most of the time, and you look at this and you say, this is really hard, incredibly hard, in fact, to start my day this way, or incredibly hard to stay on task for 15 minutes, he says this. He says, then do one other thing. Schedule one time in your week for 15 minutes where you get to complain and be pessimistic and be worried and write it down, do all you need to do, and then don't do it again that week. Get out of your system. Wean it out of your system so that you can begin to be more joyful. 
What you put in is what you're going to get out when it comes down to it. What are we dwelling on? What are we cultivating? Just like the fig tree. True joy springs from experiencing the promises and presence of God. So we need to cultivate within ourselves. You need to cultivate within you the possibility to see the signs of the kingdom now. And to sense joy when you see those. To experience God's presence today through Jesus Christ that your joy will one day be complete. Let's pray before we go to the table here. Lord, may we be grateful people this morning. And may we not just make this some academic exercise where we think, you know what, it would be better to be joyful. But Lord, can we experience your presence today? We know that where two or three are gathered, you're in this place. And so God... May we experience you in a real powerful way as we've encountered your word and as we go to your table and receive the elements that you set up. As we put our hands out and receive the body and the blood of Christ, may we get great joy because of that, knowing the promise that stands behind that, that you have said our redemption is near. That you have said, even though things will go wrong in this life and in this world, I walk with you. My presence is with you wherever you go. And God, we find that promise realized when we walk with your son, Jesus Christ, and choose him. May we choose him today. And choose that path of joy through your son, Jesus. We pray this in the name of that son who loves us, Jesus Christ. Amen.